In this week's episode, we spoke to Lee Price, head of PR and mischief at Paddy Power, the UK and Ireland sports betting company. Their Save Our Shirt campaign was a big winner at last year's PR European Sponsorship Association Awards, taking home the treble for best use of PR, sports sponsorship, 400 to 1 million euros, and the game changer categories. Lee gives us an off-field insight into the campaign from how they planned the PR fallout from the Football Association, what the Huddersfield Town players thought of it, and even the issues with stitching of the shirts. The next audio you'll hear is a clip of the campaign, and then the next voice is Lee with a post-match summary of the work. Power, love an underdog. That's why this season we're sponsoring the Terriers. Uh, no, boys, not you. Huddersfield Town. The club who launched the careers of footballing greats such as Herbert Chapman, Bill Shankly and uh, Neil Warnock. Yeah, we believe they'll bounce straight back from relegation. That was all just bad luck. <laughs> because let's not forget, Huddersfield Town are a true football institution. Every fan knows they were the first team to win back-to-back-to-back league titles. <laughs> Thanks, Wikipedia. Now they've got a team to write a new chapter in history. And they're looking great in training, according to Marcelo Bielsa. Hmm. So, we've created two revolutionary new kits for Huddersfield Town. The home shirt with the world first sash logo. And the stunning away shirt, which pays tribute to Huddersfield Town's rich 110 year history with 110 Paddy Power logos. We've even convinced the club to replace those silly old shirt numbers with next goal scorer odds. It's the future. And then we thought, whoa, the football shirt is not a billboard. Try these on, lads. That's more like it. Paddy Power knows the very best way to sponsor a team is by unsponsoring them. That's why we're launching the Save Our Shirt campaign. And that's why Huddersfield Town's kit won't have our logo on it at all. Don't you wish we weren't on your shirt? Paddy Power, Save Our Shirt. Save Our Shirt was born out of actually an issue around gambling companies, which is always sensitive given that we are indeed a gambling company. But Fans were sick of seeing gambling logos everywhere, uh, and particularly on football shirts. And that was even more heightened around foreign gambling companies that used different languages to English. So your team would run out with a message on their shirt that you just didn't know what it said. All you knew was that it was some vague Chinese, for instance, gambling company. And it was overkill. More than half the top two tiers were sponsored by betting companies. And it was a widespread, well-established issue that was kind of the elephant in the room of the gambling industry. And at Paddy Power, we're kind of fortunate, I suppose, in the marketing department that we didn't sponsor any teams. And we said, we've got a chance here, an opportunity to stand away from the crowd and and call BS on this um, and make a stand. And so we decided for the first time in our history to sponsor a major football team in Huddersfield Town. But of course, we're going to unsponsor them and shine a light on wider industry issues while having some fun in between. And to say it went to plan without trying to be too smug here would be an understatement. We actually had two or three backup routes to try and make the story work. But it turns out the moment we released our garish, chest-long sash sponsorship logo on the Huddersfield shirt, the internet melted. And then the team played it in a friendly, the internet melted again. And then when we pulled the rug, people were actually, bear in mind we're a bookie, quite gracious and complimentary about what we were doing. So we're really proud of this piece of work and I'm always delighted to talk about it. That's great. And, and I guess looking at, looking at your, your job title is, is PR and Head of Mischief. 
And I guess this campaign really embodies your role and the pursuit of the Paddy Power business because I guess it's quite rare for any football sponsorship to get this kind of fanfare or media exposure, especially a club that's not in the top tier. So were you were you surprised by the reaction? The honest answer is, yeah, I was kind of surprised. Obviously, that was the goal, but we always have sort of a, a best-case scenario vision, a worst-case scenario vision, and then a kind of realistic expectation in between the two, which is still quite a high bar, by the way, in case my boss is listening. But the way it went absolutely nuclear um, was great, but also we thought this really went perfectly. So there was an element of surprise, yeah. You know, I've known Paddy Power for a number of years, being born and raised in the UK, and my dad being a bookmaker for 25 years for, for, for William Hill. So I know the industry very well. I did see this as quite a shift away from, say, one of, one of your very famous campaigns that saw Danish international Nicholas Bentner at the European Championships in 2012, 2012 revealing Paddy Power boxer shorts during a goal celebration. And I guess to not have your logo on the shirt when you had a logo on someone's boxer shorts... Did, 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 did the PR of this campaign, I suppose, outweigh what you would have traditionally have got from just sponsoring Huddersfield Town's traditional sports sponsorship? Yeah, I would say so. And I think the example you referenced there and this one as a, as a comparison, it sort of reflects the development in the brand. So in 2012, Paddy Power was still kind of trying to establish itself as a brand in the UK and Ireland and basically putting the, the logo on the pants was like a blunt instrument of saying, this is us, notice us, remember our name sort of thing. Whereas seven years later, we didn't need to, to take that route because our brand name was already well known through stunts like the Bentner one. So we could afford to be a bit more, I don't know, clever with it or tactile with the thinking. And yeah, the PR far outweighed what we would have got just for sponsoring the kit. Although I would note that the first day of our campaign, we put out a very straight press release just saying we were going to sponsor Huddersfield Town shirts. And that did get more coverage than you'd expect any other straight sponsorship announcement because we're Paddy Power and because we have a reputation. So there would have been a decent level if we played it straight. But yeah, the numbers from this were, were insane, to be honest. And I suppose, as you say, because you hadn't done much of that in this space before, it was probably quite a big thing and not necessarily a top-tier club. Probably would have surprised a lot of people. Yeah, we did talk about what should we do with a Premier League club? And obviously the impact will be expanded to a more global audience and there's more eyeballs on them. But basically budget factors meant that the value wasn't there to go with a Premier League team. The cost would be extremely higher than with Huddersfield. And we felt that we were clever enough, dare I say it, to make it work with Huddersfield, who still had a decent reputation, but had just been relegated in quite a poor season and then went on to struggle in the championship. So there was a challenge there, but we felt that the money didn't stack up for sponsoring the Premier League team to do it. And that also, when we spoke to clubs, what made this campaign work was the fact that Huddersfield were, were all in on it. Um, to use a betting phrase, God, I've become one of them people. Um, they totally got it straight away and they wanted to build it with us, whereas not all clubs we spoke to were like that. And I, I suspect, I don't know this, but I suspect that Premier League teams might be slightly more precious about certain things. So we released a video about the sponsorship before the, the, um, the logo reveal which kind of gently took the mick out of Huddersfield. I'm pretty sure Premier League teams wouldn't allow that. I don't think Premier League teams would have worn it in a friendly. I don't think Premier League teams would have held firm when the FA were, were phoning them off the hook all day long, telling them not to wear this logo in the friendly that night. So and we had to find the right partner 
more than just finding the biggest club to go with. Thinking about that and talk about finding the right partner, I guess let's start from the very beginning. How, how did this brief come about or, or, or what did you task your partners with with doing something like this? Where, where, does, where does great award-winning work start from? <laughs> it starts on a really, really basic brief that I wrote. I just rattled out a one-page brief. My colleague Amy had said, oh, there's this cool agency called Octagon in the UK. Should we give them a brief for the new Premier League season? And I said, yeah. I kind of resent the fact that I had to write a brief. I thought, just send us ideas and we'll pick the best ones. That's our usual approach. So I whacked out a one-page brief, basically just saying, we want to be world famous. We want big. We want ambitious. We don't want any restrictions. Don't worry about budget. Don't worry about laws, anything like that. Just let's start with big ideas. And they came to us with the idea was was just, in inverted commas, to unsponsor Huddersfield, or unsponsor A Club, sorry. It didn't have the reveal element, which we added later. The idea was simply, this is an issue in football fandom around betting companies and sponsoring shirts. You should do the opposite. That was the idea. It was a one-sentence pitch, effectively. And the moment they said that sentence, we thought, hey, we're on something here. Just to add, actually, Oxford did do a full pitch. It was about an hour long, but it was one sentence that, that really encapsulated the whole thing. And from there, we were quite excited. But I believe that was in like, I don't know, the February of, of the year. So it took some time to really whip it into shape and then get it live. But as soon as I said that one line, my, uh, my spidey senses started itching. And what a, what a brief to receive, you know, don't worry about budget, don't worry about, you know, any idea is a great idea kind of thing. So it's a great, even though you were reluctant to write that brief, it sounds like one that you do want to receive because you're quite open to, to anything. The reason I resent briefs, I think, is because it kind of formalizes what doesn't need to be formalized. I, I personally feel like the formalization of stuff adds a barrier or a hurdle or a waste of time. But I, I do understand that a lot of clients probably say, we want to hear all your ideas, nothing's off limits. And then you get into the room and suddenly everything's off limits. So I do understand and I do understand there is some grown up information that needs to be shared. So I've got better at that. But the truth is, we just want brilliant ideas always. And we know that when you first share it, it's not going to be perfect. There's going to be things that need shifting or there's going to be nuances or, or reasons things can't happen that the agencies can't be aware of. And that's fine. That's life. But we just really wanted something rock solid to start from. And what I liked about the Oxygen pitch was they said, we've got an idea for you, which I thought was interesting because usually agencies are, we've got, we've got 10 starting points, see what you think. They were obviously confident enough that this is the right territory. And they said, we've got one idea for you. When can we, we share? And I thought, bloody hell, all or nothing. But I kind of respected it and it worked out. Essentially, more than half of the Premier League teams have gambling sponsors and 17 of the 24 clubs in the championship have a gambling company or logo on their shirts. So it's something that you, I guess you were going up against, but I, I suppose even back then, but certainly now today, I think I recently saw a UK gambling charity advert over Christmas, I think, that, that talked to a fictional footballer knocking on the door of a, of a house and, and trying to convince a child to, 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 gam to, to gamble his pocket money on the game. So, so you were clearly touching on something that I guess is becoming much more in the wider consciousness of that. Do you, do you think this is obviously something that's going to continue and something that you, you I guess, are supporting? Yeah, I guess we were coming at it from, initially anyway, from the perspective of a football fan. So we're looking for things that, that piss football fans off that we can um, rally against. And we weren't necessarily looking for a campaign as such. It could be something we could laugh at or, or just have a laugh with. But it, was, it wasn't initially exciting because it was a gambling industry issue. Now, that was part of it, but it was mostly because it was, yes, that is a genuine thing 
that the football fans are annoyed by and we can do something to to arrest it. But obviously once, you know, you pitch it to the marketing director and then you have to pitch it to, you know, whoever else and it goes up to the CEO of the company because obviously it has ramifications industry-wide. We had to make a call at that time that this wasn't just a marketing campaign, do a cool thing, that it was going to be a, a group-wide stand and position. And we did that. And, you know, it's, it's taken longer than we've expected for it to become more of a mainstream issue, as it were, but maybe we're just ahead of our time. The partner that you mentioned, Huddersfield Town, what was their reaction when you spoke to them about this, when, when you were basically saying, you're going to pay us not to sponsor us? I mean, how does, a, how does a conversation like that go down? What was their reaction? Yeah, my first slide of the pitch was free money. No, I think um, they were really excited because the executive team at the club were relatively new, and they were conscious that they were coming into the season off a bad one, of the long-time manager leaving, the, the fairy tale of their Premier League journey had ended. And they saw it, I, I would guess, it is a guess, as an opportunity to create some positive buzz around the club. But our pitch to them was very, very clear that they were going to have to endure a shitstorm from their fans for a number of days, that when this logo went live, people would hate it and that they would have to truly have the stomach for that. And I think the moment that it became clear they did have the stomach for that was when they said about, you know, we talked about how can we ramp it up and we were brainstorming with them. And they said, oh, we've got a friendly against so-and-so on this date. If you launch it that week, we could wear the actual kit in that friendly. And, you know, that was a real sort of wow moment for us. We are like, yes, that is perfect. In fact, that became the key of the whole campaign, them actually wearing it. So we had spoken to, I think, two or three other clubs and they were all a little bit more reserved, shall we say, about the whole thing. One made excuses within an hour of the meeting that they'd already had another deal somewhere else, and another club wanted a bit too much reassurance, perhaps understandably, about how things were going to go, whereas Huddersfield were immediately trying to build on it with us, and, and that was the eureka moment for us. What was the reaction of the players when they're getting into the changing room, they're, un- they're looking at their shirt and they're going, what is this? Were you, were you anywhere near the changing room when the players were putting this on? Yeah, we had um, people on the ground. The players would have had an inkling already because I think it was the week before the launch, we had a photo shoot with the players. And on that day, it happens every season, the players do a photo shoot in the new season's kit. And those pictures are used by the kit manufacturer and the club in in whatever assets they need. Uh, On this day, though, the the players had to model two different shirts. So they they modeled a shirt with the Paddy Power logo on. And then they also had to model a shirt without the Paddy Power logo on. So I'm not saying that we put it on the, on the table for them there, but I think they could have worked it out themselves. We didn't say anything to them. The club didn't say anything to them. They preferred not to, but I don't think it's a, a usually complex equation for them to look at that and go, okay, I can kind of guess what's happened here. When they went into the change room and saw the kits, they, they probably did think, really? And not just because of the logo, but because actually the shirts weren't the finest quality, shall I say. Some of them, the logos were, were flapping a little bit. You know, it's, it's not easy to make sash logos that fit into an existing shirt. So um, the quality did vary slightly. I, I have got a load of shirts actually in my loft somewhere and some are better than others, shall we say. So, so, so some definite challenges just with fabric. Aside from that challenge uh, with, in terms of stitching and fabrics, uh, how did you overcome any other challenges during that? I read something that the Football Association were not happy with you breaking the rules around sponsors uh, sizes. Did you expect that reaction from the FA? Yes. So the plan was, this was plan A, was we announced, I think it was Wednesday. So we did the formal announcement Tuesday. Wednesday, we announced the logo of the picture. We let the Twitter, Twitter meltdown. Then we wait for the smart answers and they did come 
who cite FA regulation 53.A that says dimensions must be within whatever it was. And then they'd sort of busted our, our campaign. And then the players run out onto the pitch actually wearing it, actually playing a game in it. And then we say nothing for at least 24 hours before coming clean. We knew that the logo would be a breach of FA regulations. And we suspected that if this kicked off as we hoped, and as it did, that someone would look that up. And thank God they did. Um, because it gave us like two or three spikes of, of, of trending, of, of attention. There's the spike of the initial outrage, the spike of our, we've busted them, they've been rumbled, unlucky Paddy Power. And then the spike of the kit actually being worn and the hand-wringing that followed the match over the next 24, 36 hours was, was quite astonishing. And I don't think I could have written it better myself, really. I heard on another podcast that you did that you said that you'd planned for the backlash. What was the worst case scenario for this backlash? You know, what had you planned where you kind of went, <laughs> this is where it could really go wrong? Obviously, it went so really right in, in many wrong ways with the FA, of course. But did you, how far could you think it could have gone? I think the worst case scenario was that the backlash didn't happen or that the team didn't wear the kit. It, like, I don't think, because the angrier the backlash is, the more it proves our ultimate point. So it wasn't like we were on a, a knife edge thinking, oh, it's too upsetting now. We did decide actually that the, the backlash was sufficient because initially we planned to wait uh, until the Saturday morning before coming clean and, and letting the team wear the clean shirt on that day. But we felt that by Friday morning, it had sort of peaked and that an extra day would, would diminish the reveal. So we did bring forward the reveal by 24 hours. We expected and hoped for a backlash. And if the first kit didn't deliver the backlash, there was a second and third kit. To, to drive that up. So the second kit, the away kit, had, I think it was 136 Paddy Power logos on it, one for every year of Huddersfield Town's history, which was ghastly. And then the third kit, if that didn't work, was 11 players spelling out Paddy Power on their shirts, so one letter each with a dot at the end, which I think would have been <laughs> bordering on slapstick, but the first two hadn't worked. We felt like that was our last, our last hurrah, but thankfully kit one worked. Those other two didn't have to see the light of day. Well, so many things to consider. And if you were having problems with the fabric and stitching of the first <laughs> one, I'd like to think where you were going to get to with the other two, I suppose. Did you plan or, or expect the, the Motherwells and the Newport counties to join as part of the plan? Or was that just an, an initial them wanting to be involved post the campaign? No, no, it was all planned, yeah. We, so once we had Huddersfield Town locked in, we then spoke to a variety of other clubs to join the campaign too. And I guess their role was kind of easier because I didn't have to do the, the naughty bit. So we'd, we'd had a plan for Motherwell, for Newport, for Southend, for Macclesfield. And basically it meant we covered all EFL leagues and we covered the Scottish Premier League too. And obviously we had a Welsh club in Newport County. So we, we kind of ticked all the boxes. We, we wanted to have an Irish club, but their season runs during the summer. Uh, so it didn't quite match timing wise, but otherwise we felt that we'd, we'd covered all bases. And what we wanted to do was reveal Huddersfield on the Saturday, turned out to be the Friday, but you know, that comes clean. And then on the, mon the following Monday, hit it with a, a second club joins, Tuesday, a third club joins, give it a real sense of momentum. And I guess the best case scenario out of that would have been that a another club joined organically on the, the fifth day or whenever God rests, which could have happened, but they would have wanted money for it. So we were approached by a lot of teams after our, after our announcements but yeah we think it did its job and we had planned this domino effect because again we kind of suspected that after coming clean with Huddersfield we'd be accused of just doing it as a one-off publicity stunt and it's easy to write off one sponsorship so we planned for that and it's easier it's harder sorry to dismiss five 
sponsorships, I think. Oh, definitely. And then just to, just to round off on the pun, as we talked about how important Huddersfield were and how important uh, Octagon, your sports agency, were on this, were there any other partners involved in this? And, and I guess what was their role and skill sets? What did they add also to this idea? Because I'd imagine there's a fair few fan groups and creative agencies that are involved in this too. Yeah, quite a key partner I should mention is BCCP, who are our retained ad agency. And it's it's them that, I guess, really made this a thing because we had the idea from Octagon that doing the opposite thing. But to be honest, that was, it was too nice. Like when we when I tried pitching that, it was kind of like, that's a nice idea, but, but so what? How is that going to get attention? So I took it to BCCP and just said, can we ramp up the mischief here? And it's them who produced the idea of, why don't you just announce it with a ridiculous logo and then come clean? And then from there, the boulder just ran downhill very smoothly. But that was a key intervention because without that, I don't know if it would have happened. And then we worked with the Ball Street Network for social media, really as, as a backup, again, in case that the outrage didn't come, but it did come. And to be honest, their role was more just to amplify the existing outrage. But we had in mind that if people weren't going to kick off organically, could we try and force that a day later? With the Ball Street Network, if Kit Free hasn't worked, but again, thankfully our backup plans weren't necessarily needed. Matt Wilson at Ball Street, being a Huddersfield fan, probably helped you with with. The moment he heard the words Huddersfield Town being sponsored, he was in, regardless of the idea. Again, which is very helpful. But but yeah, it was great to to have such a thorough plan in place. Because to be honest, we haven't always had such well considered plans. But this wasn't just backup plan A; it was backup plan B as well, and. We were really throwing everything at this to make it work, and, and Ball Street were a key part of that. Producing great work is fantastic, but it's about convincing the judges as well when, when, when you're putting these entries in. What do you think the judges liked about this, this entry? I hope that they liked the planning that I just mentioned. They liked the originality um, and the bravery, really, because how many brands want to invite a backlash? I think there's only a handful, really. And that's why it worked, because... It was carefully orchestrated, I guess you could say, in a cynical way. Like we expected A to happen, so we planned B, but that's just good marketing, isn't it? Just to delve deeper into the the judging piece, I, I, I guess I also read on your LinkedIn that you're going to be a judge this year at PR Moment Award. How do you approach judging, and, and maybe how would you have judged this? Is there anything that you might go, oh, I would have liked to have seen this, or it perhaps didn't have that? You know, how would you, how would, with your judges hat on now, one, how would you look at this award, and two, what are you looking for for entries into that? particular award yeah i mean first and foremost i would have given it 10 awards not not three uh, but obviously i'm biased um i think that when i look at it now and i think what what could we have done more or better the two question marks i have are one could we have done a premier league club which we kind of touched on earlier but could we have made that work would that have made a bigger impact uh, and then that kind of ties into the second thing which is could we have done it for a second season and maybe that's when you bring the premier league club in but they're difficult questions and questions we did explore and the second season thing, we felt that it wouldn't have the same impact, perhaps, obviously, but we couldn't quite find a, a big enough impact to make it make sense. So they're the two question marks I probably would look at as a judge. And what am I looking for for creative work? Stuff that makes me go, oh, for fuck's sake, I wish I'd done that. Basically, stuff that I wish that I could steal, stuff that I could, could potentially steal, things that make me jealous. And it's that sort of, that gut reaction of, I absolutely love that. That's absolutely brilliant. I'm not sure I could have thought of that. So it's not, you know, making budget work hard or ticking all the, the channels or whatever. It's just about, for me, creativity and ambition and then delivering that with actual results. 
where does this rank in your portfolio of work? You know, it's such a fantastic campaign, but I, I know of many campaigns that, that Paddy Power have done over the years. Where would you say this ranks in, in everything that you've done to date? It has to be number one, to be honest. It's, it's the first thing you go to and, and someone says, oh, what are you proud of at Paddy Power? That's the one, you know, when I eventually leave the brand, that's the thing that I'll always think back to. There, there is other stuff too that I'm really proud of. Our, our campaign in the 2018 World Cup, for instance, um, talking about homophobia in Russia and really sticking it to Putin over that. I'm really proud of that too. But the success of this one makes it makes it number one in my books. What's next? You know, what, what are the big campaigns that we should be looking out for? Perhaps you may not be able to share or there might be stuff that you already think about putting into awards. What, what is it that we should be expecting or looking out for that's coming up for, for you with campaigns and or creating more mischief over the next 12 months? Yeah, I'm going to have to apologise in advance because this is going to be a bit of a spooky, vague answer. I don't find that sharing mischief too much works <laughs> for me. Last year, 2020 was really interesting for us in terms of what does mischief mean? And it had to shift slightly away from being provocative, maybe into something more entertaining because there's nothing else going on for people at home. And I think there might be a sense of more of that this year, depending on how the various lockdowns go. But what we did do last year was put on what we like to claim was the UK's first major sporting event post-lockdown, put on a golf tournament with celebrities and golfers in it. And that really worked for us in terms of a sporting event. It was in conjunction with the European Tour, for instance, and as a content maker. So I would say that that is a route we'd love to explore again, perhaps in other sports, and particularly given the restrictions around just about everything at the moment. It's hard to do something really naughty, shall I say, when the world's pretty naughty itself. But I am trying, believe me. Everyone needs creativity in these times, right? So I guess that's quite a challenge in itself. So, But it does seem that sports and creativity are things that people will always look for. So a good brief potentially to be working on in the future. Yeah, and people will continue to talk about sport and perhaps talk about sport more than ever before because the alternative is some really dry chat about people dying, which it's horrible, but we don't really want to talk about that all day long. It gets us down. So sport is a great escape. And if we can add to the conversation and give people something else to share in their WhatsApp groups or talk about their family with, then that's a job well done for us. Lee, thank you so much uh, for talking about your mischief. And this fantastic Save Our Shirt campaign, I really appreciate you coming on to this podcast and and good luck uh, over the next 12 months. Thank you. And thank you for having me. So thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed that episode, even if you're not a sports fan. I've left a link in the description of the campaign. And since we recorded this, Lee has recently announced that he's leaving Paddy Power. So I hope it wasn't something I said. Anyway, thank you again, Lee, for your time. We've really enjoyed it. If you've enjoyed this podcast, of course, please give it a review, five stars, or share it with your friends. And as always, good luck to all the entrants this year.